When a Nevada nonprofit sells something like a hat or t-shirt to raise money, do they have to collect sales tax? I'm a mentor at SCORE Las Vegas, and I'd love it if you could point me and my nonprofit clients to a straightforward how to collect and pay sales tax in Nevada on fundraising items. So so this is going to blow your mind. This answer is going to absolutely blow your mind. Um, and this shocked me. So when I first came to Nevada 20 years ago or so, I was working for an organization that had a gift shop set up. And as we were setting up the gift shop, one of the questions I had was, how, what do we need to collect sales tax? Like, what's the sales tax rate? And someone told me, there's no sales tax for gift shop sales for nonprofits in Nevada. And I said, no, 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 that's stupid. You don't understand what you're talking about. There has to be. <laughs> Every place in the country I've yes. ever been has to collect sales tax on gift shop sales. And they're like, nope, not in Nevada. So we did the research and I still didn't believe them. I made them get a letter <laughs> from oh my God. the state of You're Nevada. You're such a stickler. Proving, no, I didn't want to get hammered like know, 10 years from now. And somebody goes, oh, by the way, you owe us a million dollars in I sales know. tax plus penalties. So, so that in Nevada, and you can look it up, it's NRS 372.326, says that nonprofits don't have to pay sales tax or collect sales tax. So collect sales tax is the gift shop, it's fundraising items, it's anything. So- the, the second part of that, after that line, so it, the second part of that is that it's got to be educational, charitable, or um, religious. So those are the three categories, educational, charitable, and religious. It has to be one of those three categories, which catches people out a lot of times. Because if your nonprofit doesn't fit nicely, and if it's a membership organization for helping um, people learn how to network, that's not charitable probably not educational and it's not religious and the state will say, nope, sorry, you're not sales tax exempt. So just because you have a 501c3 doesn't mean you get that sales tax exemption for the, um, for paying for things. Like you go to Office Depot and you buy paper and you don't want to pay a sales tax on the paper. Um, as far as the other side of it, there's no process. So hmm. um, if you're doing this, I might, if you're really curious, I might reach out to the tax office in Nevada and say, hey, we're doing this. We are also this just double checking that it's okay because it's really, really unusual. Nevada, as far as I know, and I don't obviously don't know the laws on every single state in the U.S., as far as I know, Nevada is the only state where that is true. Well, and you know, that's that's a lovely idea, thinking about reaching out to someone. I'm I'm a little bit more, uh, let's uh, don't ask for what you can't stand the answer to and almost don't raise their attention to this really stupid, you know, lack of, of collection of sales tax, because I mean, there is, I mean, I know it hurts and, you know, there's all sorts of arguments for, you know, the state revenue generation and, you know, all of the stuff that's needed, taxes are needed for, but I was like, oh gosh, why even bring it to someone's attention? I think it could become a headache. So I know that's not the appropriate answer, but I do want to just share. And it's, it's tricky too, because when you're setting up a nonprofit corporation in Nevada, right, you don't, there's no like special line for that. You do the same thing that every other corporation does. And so when you're setting up a corporation in Nevada, it asks you to Create your Nevada tax account. Set up the thing for sales and use tax. Um, do the unemployment thing. Like you, so you have to go through all of these steps that apply to a regular for-profit corporation that may not apply to a nonprofit corporation. So th there may be ways to get caught up in the process too, where like if you check the wrong box or if you didn't understand specifically why they're asking the question, you may end up getting like a nasty note about why aren't you collecting sales tax? So you get sales and tax use delinquency note. 
And that's, I mean, at that point, that's when you can use the phone number on there to call and say, hey, I was looking at NRS 372.326, and it says, you know, can you please explain to me how I'm delinquent on something that I'm not required to pay? And then maybe they'll help you, right? I think one other thing to note with this question, and it's not tied to this, but some people get it confused, is unrelated business income tax is not the same issue we're talking about here. Totally different. So if you have questions about that, that's probably a separate thing um, and definitely has nothing to do with the state sales tax process. So just make note of that. That's right. Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit, with your host, Andy Shurick and Stacy Wedding. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm here with my fantastic co-host, Stacey Wedding. I'm Andy Schurich, and we're here to answer all of your burning nonprofit questions. The Nonprofit Everything podcast is a production of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, and the one of the best ways that you can support us is becoming an AN member. So check out the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. The second best way you can support us is by thinking of a really interesting question to send to us, and we would be really excited to both answer your question and send you a sticker if you send us your, your address. Woohoo! Today's episode is sponsored by the HR Collaborative. The HR Collaborative was formed to help build nonprofit strengths through improved human resources. It provides professional development opportunities, networking, and sharing of best practices on HR issues faced by nonprofit organizations. The Collaborative meets bi monthly. Membership is free and open to anyone who works for a nonprofit and has HR responsibilities. For more information or to attend an upcoming meeting, visit their website at www.hrcollaborativelv.org. Check out the Nonprofit Everything show notes for more information. I'm on the board of a children's program that relies on donations to cover a portion of expenses. We're running a sponsor a child's learning type campaign, and our ED sent out letters in the fall soliciting donations from businesses in town, both SMEs and larger corporations. Well, we recently received a $3,000 donation from a major corporation, which is fantastic. The ED was asking for sponsors to donate $500, but that any amount would be welcomed. However, the next day I heard from this other board I sit on, it's a small community, and the same corporation donated $50,000 to that nonprofit. While I'm happy for both organizations, we'd obviously welcome a larger donation for the children's program. Is it uncouth or tacky to go back to the donor and ask for more? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> well, I, so I'm sorry to be so abrupt, but yeah, when I, I read this question, I totally sympathize because there's nothing worse than seeing that maybe you could have asked for more, more money. But I do think at this point it would come across as greedy. It would be a bit tacky. And I just, I wouldn't recommend it. So I kind of would put this into the two categories, a lessons learned, and I've got some comments on that, and an opportunity. Um, But before I go into that, I'm very curious to know, is this something you would agree with me on? Or or do you think there's a a chance to maybe ask for more money? And I I totally agree. And I I mean, you know way more about this than I do. But my, my instinct was, is that there's a reason that you got $500 and another organization got significantly more than that. So, and it, there are lots of different reasons that it could be that. And it's, it's um, 
maybe they don't know you as well as they know this other organization. Maybe they're maybe you don't fit into the kinds of things that they want to give to. Um, but but going back to the donor and saying we asked you for five hundred, you gave us more than that, but you yeah. didn't give us way more than that. It just seems like you're kind of I don't know. Nobody's going to take that the right way. No, no, there's no way. There's no soft way. And you know me, I'm all about trying to massage things with words, but I don't think there's any real soft way to do it. Um, But here's what I do think. So first of all, you you now know this this, you know, organization knows that this donor and corporate donor has the capacity to give much larger gifts. So that's really good information. And it also kind of brings home for me that idea of research, because when you think about the question, they, they said that there was kind of an executive director, um, you know, that just said kind of did a mass appeal for five hundred dollar sponsors. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder if there's if there's a chance and I know it's a small organization. So this this is probably me being a little Pollyanna. But if there was an opportunity to maybe just do a cursory look and say, hey, maybe a handful of the corporations we want to just pull aside and look at if there's a different ask amount for them and do a little bit of research, not a ton, but go online, see what's available on their website. Perhaps there's other announcements from other nonprofits about gifts or in kind of local newspapers or whatever. But but I just feel like it's doing this mass appeal like that and having corporations be asked for $500, which is a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. for a corporation, feels like a missed opportunity. So I think one lesson learned is like perhaps there's a little bit of research that can be included and maybe a little bit more segmentation of, hey, let's pull aside a few of these and see if there may be capacity for larger gifts. Right. And also, I mean, the way it was framed, too, is it was sponsoring a child, right? Yeah. So that's, I mean, and that's a completely different question. And we, yeah. you know how much we like answering the wrong question. Yes, we do. So the, the, if you're, if you've got a sponsorship package where you've put together like a sponsorship package and you've decided that this $500 is worth something, then, then maybe a corporation isn't the way to go after that. Yeah. Right. If you're going to talk about sponsorships for corporations, you really need to kind of take their tax situation into account and realize that for them, it's more about marketing and advertising and less about making a charitable deduction. So, so maybe, maybe you have something that's completely different for the, for the corporations to sponsor. Maybe it's, I mean, we can't do this now, obviously, but maybe it's an event or it's a virtual event or it's something that they're, they're getting something in value in exchange for that donation and not just writing a random check. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I think there is an opportunity here. So here's the opportunity. Besides maybe implementing some new practices to avoid something like this in the future, now they've gotten this $3,000 from this company. I think it's a great opportunity to say thank you and to ask the company, hey, just curious, why, why us? Like, why did you choose to make this to us? We know you get a lot of requests. And then to use that information to start building a relationship that perhaps could lead into a larger donation. I'm not sure it'll be $50,000 sponsorship or donation or grant, but something that over the course of the next several months, there's touch points, not asking for more money, but touch points of the thank you or let us report out on what we've been up to. Um, Just some of the things that make a company, just like an individual, feel like you're not just there with your hands out grabbing for money all the time. And then when the next cycle comes to ask, having a conversation to see, 
would they explore a potential larger partnership and then sharing that? So, so in my mind, this is just sort of the beginning of what could be a much larger partnership and relationship. So I'm excited for this organization. I think, I think it's an opportunity to grow this and yeah, double it, triple it, you know, in the future. Yeah. So, so here's one thing maybe think about too, is like, we like to ascribe all of this like intelligent the, the corporations, when they're giving these donations away, that they're like testing you or they're they're like they have something in mind. And for five hundred dollars, honestly, it's like they're just responding. Right. It's like a direct yeah. mail. It's like, a, oh, this sounds fun. We can do that. So so how much of this is really that they're testing you to see how you're going to respond and if you're going to thank them appropriately and how much of it is just like eh, they're nice. They asked. We'll give them some money. It could be, but here's the thing. The ask was for $500 or more and the corporate the co- corporation gave $3,000. <laughs> They're like it's not worth my so, time to write a $500 yeah, check. Yeah, yeah. So but, <laughs> but to me I go like if they were looking to do this just as as something really small um and who knows, maybe they had discretionary funding at the end of the year that they were looking for partners to get get, you know, rid of some of it. There's so many different stories, but I think you don't know that until you actually have Try to try to get to know them a little bit. And I think just a simple question of, hey, can we ask why? Why us? Like might open the doors and and perhaps perhaps this nonprofit finds out just what you said. Hey, it was sweet. It touched the heart of one of our employees that makes the decision and we just did it. And you kind of know then that that it's less strategic, right, on the company's part, uh, not like a fifty thousand dollar thing, but mm-hmm. but at least you know. Okay, Stacey, I'm curious what trends you think we'll see in 2021 in the nonprofit sector. Got a handful of thoughts, but God only knows, given what we just went through with 2020, I'm almost scared to answer this, right? A zombie apocalypse, um, <laughs> maybe like a, like a meteor strike. Yeah, yeah, something Me- crazy. Like, yeah, dinosaur ending meteor strike. Um, yeah, you got to think of something crazy politically, too, but let's not go there. So anyway, yeah, this is a little bit of a, a scary question just because of how how things are and, and predicting things. But um, I think every tw- every trends report in 2020 probably was like threw up their hands. It was like, yeah, forget this. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. So um, so a handful of thoughts. I mean, from like a philanthropy side, I think we're going to continue to see individual donors, especially the smaller donors like those two hundred fifty dollars and less. I think we will see that continue to be strong. I mean, every every historical sort of research trend that was gathered has shown that in times of need, in times of crisis, um, and this is obviously a longer one, but when there is this sense of of high need, high demand, individuals step up, and that that those were the trend reports from 2020. So I think we'll start, we'll continue to see individuals doing that. Um, I personally think corporations we're going to see either be like status quo or decrease. I, I just think many, especially in Southern Nevada, I guess I don't want to talk about the sector as, you know, beyond um, beyond Nevada, but I think given our reliance on on the key industries here and gaming and tourism and such, that I do think we're going to see things that are probably a bit more status quo, if not decreased, especially, let's be real, how many corporations have you talked to that were so tired of spending money on galas, on um, filling gala tables. I realize that doesn't happen anymore. And I used to hear a lot of corporations saying, 
yeah, we're just sort of tired of all of these golf tournaments. We're tired of all these things. And they were already sort of talking about how they could decrease their involvement in those. So I think we're going to see more focus on that with corporations. And I think we're going to see a lot of corporations um, maybe use the pandemic as a great excuse to sort of stop that those activities or kind of cut the budget around it. I wish that were true. I, I mean, really I do, do too. I wish that were true. I you think, don't think that's the no, case though? They complain about golf tournaments and gala events and then they turn around and do them anyway. They have no, they've got no plan. Like so many of them have no plan. They're okay having no plan because they don't see the benefit. So the, I mean, I, I wish we could see golf tournaments and gala events kind of go by the wayside, but I don't think non, I don't think the corporations are intelligent enough to know that that's a really stupid way to give money yeah. away. And I think they're going to continue to do that forever. As soon, I mean, you know, it's going to be like, like we also like here in Las Vegas, we expect to see this just huge surge. Once people can travel, I know <laughs> like, I don't like going outside to, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of a, I, you know, I like being left alone. Yes. Like I'm, I don't like big crowds, but even I'm like, it'd be really cool to go do something with a lot of other people right now. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be a, there's a, like a, a lot of pent up demand for entertainment and things. And I, so I think it's, I mean, I, I wish we could make them go away, but I have a feeling Galen Spencer are going to come back, you know, rip roaring. I feel like that's going to happen in 2022. I think I, or at the end, like maybe the second half of 2021, maybe. I guess I'm yeah, thinking more I like the know. first half, who maybe. knows? Yeah. You know, the other thing, I mean, a couple other thoughts I had thinking about trends. I definitely am. I'm appreciative and, and really excited that, DEI has has revisited and there's a resurgence in conversations around it. I feel like there was a lot of talk around it in 2020. Um, my hope, this is probably more of a hopeful trend, but my hope is that we're going to see more implementation of some of that conversation. I think people were trying to wrap their brains around what that looked like um, for how they operate and the culture of their organization and even recruitment of board members. And I really hope we see a more concerted effort and and think we will. I mean, I, I don't think that topic, that topic's always been relevant. It just, it just kind of came up obviously with some of the, the horrific acts uh, that happened in 2020. So, so I think we're going to continue to see kind of a resurgence with DEI and, and, and new practices around it. I'm so much more of a cynic than you are. I mean, we've you been are? talking about the business case oh. of DEI for 25 years oh. and nothing changes. I mean, it's oh, Andy. things, people, they just, I don't think that they, like when the sort of your day-to-day -day reality of like running a business, like just, it never really enters your consciousness until it's forced on you. Like we saw, we saw, um, social justice organizations got a ton of money, like right, like right in the middle of the summer. Like there were a lot, there was a lot of money being moved to those organizations. And I'd be curious to see how long that lasted. I mean, obviously with, I mean, we're taping this early January. So obviously things are weird. Um, and, and we may see, we may see money move from place to place right now. There are a whole bunch of corporations that are no longer giving political action committee money. They're just like, you know what, maybe politics yeah. isn't the way to spend it. I think that's short lived. I think that's incredibly short lived because two months from now, they're going to be like, but we really want this telecommunications bill to include this nonsense thing. So we really need to start giving money to these people that are going to do what we want. I mean, I, 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 it just makes me so angry. Like, because like, and it goes into the whole ESG thing for, for, for profits as well, as they say, we're really committed to environmental and social and governments, governance things. And we want to do these things better. 
And then their actions do absolutely the hundred percent opposite. I think, I mean, if I would, you know, I wish it were changed. I would love to issue a challenge to somebody to say, you know, prove to prove me wrong. Like, Prove that my cynicism that we're just not going to continue to do the same dumb thing over and over again is actually just just missing the point. But but I don't I mean, I I don't know. I really hope you're wrong on this one. I, I mean, I think it's too. more of a hopeful. I I think, like I said, I think I may be more hopeful and just hoping for that. That's what happens because you're right. It's um, but but you got to start somewhere. And, and I think at least I mean, one of the things that gave me hope is I've talked to two different companies that have mentioned They've literally changed some of their process. I mean, there's a lot more that has to happen than just a change of a grant process, but they've changed it to include questions and to actually kind of evaluate organizations based on the diversity of their board members, of the clients they serve. And I, I was happy to at least hear that some change is being made, even if it's you know, at a snail's pace, mm-hmm. but something but is then, better than But nothing. even then, they're just like pushing their wishes down onto onto their nonprofit partners, right? Which is like, it's so distasteful. It's like, we're going to do it the really crappy way, (laughs) but we expect people we give money to, to be saints and angels. Yeah. I just, can you tell I'm angry? (laughs) Can you tell I'm mad? I hit a sore spot. So (laughs) it's not this wrong kind of podcast. This is not an Andy rant. I know. I know. Right. We we need one of those though. It could be fun. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Now, you know me, I've got two more trends I want to mention. One, technology, right? Like this is a, a like does Stacy kind of trend, but I think technology, I mean, as much as people are going to want that human connection again, as soon as they're able to have it, I still think technology is going to continue to grow, explode, expand. There's all sorts of new movements and discussions being had just in the, the fundraising sector about artificial intelligence and how artificial intelligence should be a huge component of any fundraising program to take staff away from doing the more mundane things or research that can be done with AI and instead actually move toward the true relationship building value of that human to human connection. So um, technology that takes away some of those kind of basic rote things and allows us to use you know, our, our strengths and our capacity in other ways, I think we're going to continue to see that. And that gets me super excited for the nonprofit sector. And lastly, I would say 2020 was a year of reflection and evaluation once we got through the insanity of several things that happened during that year, right? And with that comes people reevaluating their priorities in life, in work, in um, free time. And so I do think we will continue to see transitions of people, maybe staffers doing side gigs, passion projects that perhaps because they realize maybe they're burned out from the nonprofit sector or something. So they want a side gig that maybe they can build up. I think we're going to see um, but not giving up their job, right? Because they still need that income. But I think I think there's some, like again, how are we gonna how are we gonna kind of moderate and move away from the things that that no longer are serving us? And I think board members, I've I've sadly, and, and maybe it's not sad, right? There's been several people I know who have served on boards that said, you know, this and this pandemic gave me a chance to say I just don't feel as passionate and committed this organization anymore. Um, and I think they'd be better served by someone who's new and fresh and, and that, that can be healthy. I think that's, that's healthy. It's also overwhelming (laughs) when you're the nonprofit executive director. 
No, I think the the big trend I think I'm going to see is that the like poor financial practices, people that have been kind of running by the seat of their pants using gala events, even though they've known for years that that was a really fragile way to raise money. I mean, obviously the pandemic upended a bunch of business models in general. Mm-hmm. We talked, there was a question probably six months ago now about layoffs. Like, is our layoffs a good idea? And at the time I said something that I kind of still stand by, which is like layoffs are lazy. It's like, it's just like you're freaking out about the balance sheet and you need to look at your business. And as this continues to go on, it gets longer and longer and longer. And we're relying on PPP loans. We're relying on grants from the state. We're relying on these, these others, you know, we're basically, we haven't thought about what the long-term impacts of the business are. We're just trying to keep our head above water, which is really the only thing you can do. But I have a feeling that's going to come bite everybody in the butt come around July or August when all of a sudden things are different, things are drying up. The fact that we've had just record unemployment is is going to finally, that's going to finally affect all of the organizations that are doing basic needs stuff. I mean, luckily they're they're in a good place right now just because people mobilized. But at some point you end up with kind of like giving fatigue mm-hmm. and, and it's going to affect everybody where like all of these decisions that were made early on are going to kind of come home to roost and we're going to end up with like, oh gosh, what do we do now? So Honestly, I think, I mean, like Stacey's like, everything's going to be great. I know. And I I'm know. like, it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> I think we're going to see more nonprofits fail than ever before. Yeah. And it's, and, and unfortunately it's going to be the, the ones that were already big and the ones that already had a nest egg and endowment money and investments and things like that are going to be able to weather the storm. They may, you know, lose a whole bunch of people. They may have to focus in crazy ways. But all these tiny little organizations that have like an idea and want to run with the idea, it's going to get really, really hard to do that. I think we're going to see um, a big windowing out of the number of tiny nonprofits just because it's just going to be impossible. I mean, I mean, even right now, like people that are are doing a job and school and childcare all at the same time. Ugh. It can't be, it, you can't be done forever. No. It's, it's, it's absolutely like just mentally exhausting. And you realize at some point, I mean, we had one of the questions that we ta- did today was about multitasking yeah. and, and it's impossible to not multitask when there's a four-year-old in your house, <laughs> like, because the four-year-old doesn't care what you're doing. He needs what he needs right this instant. Right. Um, so it's just going to become, it's just going to get harder and harder and harder. I think things are going to start to crack and break. I think we've seen some cracking and breaking already. Um, and not in a good way. <laughs> um, so, so hopefully, hopefully we can survive as a species. If you can, <laughs> you know what? If you could all see my face, I have these like sad puppy dog eyes right now. I'm just so I'm a little disheartened by Andy's trend prediction. I, I guess on my bad gloomy days, I I tend to think like you do, Andy. But maybe today's an update. So whoever's listening, if you need a dose of positivity, I'm your gal. And if you're in the rut and you want someone to commiserate with, Andy's your your guy. I'll just I'll just make everybody feel worse. That's my job. I just make everybody feel worse. But hey, the you know the it, it can't go on like this forever, right? There's a there's a vaccine for the virus. It will be distributed at some point. Everyone will get it. Everything will kind of go back to not being as miserable as it is now. Um, but it's a matter of getting through the next twelve months without completely losing your mind. I think that's the that's the that's the challenge for 2021.
Wendy, do you want to know one of the new practices I'm doing for 2021? Is it cooking more? Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> you know the answer to that. And anyone listening, I have no domestic bone in my body. So <laughs> anyways, no, it is not cooking, although my husband sure wishes it were. Um, no, I am going to extend my gratitude practice and try not to roll your eyes because I'm sure you are. Um, I, you know, I started trying to to rely on some gratitude thinking practice in 2020 because it was such a tough year. So 2021, I was like, you know what, I really need to just kind of continue to change my perspective when I'm feeling really down and out and negative and hopeless and all those things that the last year or so have brought. And so just trying to find little things like I was in the shower this morning and I was like, God, I'm so grateful for this hot water. So where I'm going with this is I am incredibly grateful for an amazing co-host that just makes this fun. And uh, even though, you know, it's work to sometimes research answers to your questions or really give it some thought, at least on my end, because I'm like a planner and like have all my answers like written out. Andy isn't quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, with that said, like, I'm grateful for Andy and making this fun. I'm super grateful for all of you listeners and for you just caring enough to listen and finding this valuable enough that that means a lot and for sending us questions. And last but not least, I'm grateful for Anne. Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits is the one that really gave birth to this podcast and continues to make it possible. So thanks to Anne. Check them out if you haven't. And uh, let's make it a great year or at least a better year. <laughs>